No longer are we going in to talk to and for the most part sell to people. It's now shifted. We need to go in and stop having presentations and start having conversations because no one wants to be sold to. And and I read somewhere 80% of prospects in a survey said that if they didn't have to talk to a salesperson, they wouldn't. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the B2B MX Podcast. I, Claudia Tarico, am riding solo today as Kelly is currently in Italy living her best life. Obviously, I'm jealous, but I've got a very special episode for you guys today and a very, very special guest with me, so I'm not really going to complain. We are just a few weeks away from the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange in Boston, and the team and I may or may not be stress-eating donuts trying to get all of our ducks in a row for the big show. The agenda is shaping up nicely, if I do say so myself. If you haven't checked it out yet or even gotten a ticket, I encourage you to do so as soon as possible. Maybe this episode will get you over that hump. With me today is my friend Roderick Jefferson. He has been a great resource for Demand Gen Report for the past few years, and you may have heard him on the podcast before and, of course, seen him on stage at some of our in-person and virtual events. He is a B2B MX veteran, and he'll be coming back to Boston to deliver a fabulous keynote at SMX on all things sales enablement. After all, this is his expertise, guys, and he basically wrote the book on it. Uh, Actually, not even basically. He literally wrote the book on sales enablement, and it's an Amazon bestseller. It's called Sales Enablement 3.0, The Blueprint to Sales Enablement Excellence. He'll actually be signing some copies at B2B SMX as well. So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Roderick Jefferson to the mic. Roderick, hello. How are you today? And thank you so much for taking the time. I am fantastic. It's so good to catch up with you. We have been bouncing back and forth, and I have been looking forward to this all day. Yes, I'm so excited. It's always great to chat with you, and I'm just really excited for B2B SMX. It's coming up really quickly, and we'll obviously get to all of that fun stuff. But I know I, you know, in my little intro, I provided some information about you, but I really want the audience to really get to know you. So Tell us what we should know, you know, about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I'm a senior executive. I've got 20 plus years in my career of sales, sales enablement, operations and customer experience roles at what I consider some of the most effective B2B SaaS techs in the world. I've worked at Siebel, eBay, HP, Oracle, Salesforce, Marketo, and a couple of others. And I've been, it's been an incredible run, but I always go back to the very cornerstone. I'm a sales guy. Started out as a BDR, moved into a quota-carrying role, absolutely had a great time, went to President's Club a couple times, and then got promoted to sales leader, as we do. I actually turned it down, and it was because I realized that I loved the process of selling more than I did actually taking down big deals. So I talked myself into a new role, 
by talking to my VP of sales and I asked him two questions. What if I could A, get people faster and more accelerated to revenue faster? And secondly, what if I could give you the best present possible? And that is you have to go back and actually get more money for President's Club. He said, if so, you've got a new job. So I pushed myself into a new role of sales trainer, did that for a while. And about 18 years ago, I created this small little nomenclature called sales enablement. <laughs> and so, and my baby has grown up and taken off into spaces that I never could have in my wildest dream taken off to. And it's been amazing. So I left corporate. I've now moved into a role. I actually started my consulting firm about seven years ago and with a focus on helping customers to improve their sales processes. And I won't even say sales. Let's go go to market processes. And we'll talk about that a little later, why I've actually made that shift. And also, how do we help them accelerate speed to revenue and kind of internally connect the dots? I love it. You are a busy, busy man for, for <laughs> quite some time. So hopefully you, you were able to take some vacations or something in all of that time. But we know each other pretty well. You've spoken at our events in the past. You're a constant go-to resource for all things sales and sales enablement. And you often speak on strategies that help businesses struggling to really stand out in this crowded space. And I just feel like it's getting more crowded and more crowded as time goes on. So what would you say are some common challenges right now that people are seeing in the enablement space? Well, the world as we know has shifted. That's on for its sure. Axis. Actually, a couple of times over the last couple of years, right? The first big shift was COVID. And I actually think from a sales perspective, COVID was probably the best thing that could have happened, Claudia. And it's because it made us get comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting away from doing things the way that we've always done it. And also the introduction broadly, and I'll say broadly, of AI. And I'm not talking about just chat GPT. I mean generative AI as a whole. Because what that's done now is it's changed the entire buyer's journey. No longer are we going in to talk to and for the most part sell to people. It's now shifted. We need to go in and stop having presentations and start having conversations. Because no one wants to be sold to. And and I read somewhere 80% of prospects in a survey said that if they didn't have to talk to a salesperson, they wouldn't. And it comes back to why, you know, the old adage of going out that no one does anymore, I know, but going out to buy a car. Why did we hate it? Because we knew we were going to be sold to. It was probably going to cost us more than what we wanted to spend. And the payments were going to be way higher. And the ROA was going, ROI was going to drop as soon as we drove off of the lot. Well, the same thing is happening now internally because I think our prospects and customers have access to so much information. They're not looking to be informed. They're actually looking for a confirmation either to buy or not buy from your company. Yeah, that self-service buyer is really standing out these days. I guess I could blame my generation, the millennials. They don't want to get on a call, man. I had to, <sighs> I had to make a few calls yesterday, and I was miserable. So, it's funny. I, I have two millennials at home, and I've watched them literally text with friends, get the random call, ignore the call from the person you've been talking <laughs> and texting with for twenty minutes, ignore it, and then go back to texting with them right? We're an Insta, an IG society. We're a microwave society. And that's why, again, the whole conversation around the buyer's journey is even more important because it's literally about listening more 
And talking less. I love that. So what are some things that organizations really need to consider when it comes to designing and even deploying an effective sales enablement strategy for their business? Well, I start with kind of the definition, which again has also morphed, of enablement versus training, right? Because a lot of companies think, oh, we just need training. You've heard me say it a number of times, Claudia, and you know where I'm about to go. I believe that you train animals, you enable people. And what I mean is we're not teaching people to roll over. We're not teaching them to sit. We're literally trying to teach and work and partner with them to be more productive and more effective. And I think the things that they need to consider are things like, where are we getting our folks from a talent acquisition and assessment perspective? How do we make sure that enablement is a part of that? What does onboarding look like today? And you just nailed something different today for millennials than what it did for our seasoned folks, right? And then what do we do once they're onboarded and we've got them up and running? What does everboarding look like? And for me, it's literally what I call knowledge bites. It's at a maximum three, four minutes of sections on a single topic versus the old guy like me. We used to sit for 20, 30 minutes. I know it sounds crazy, but we used to sit for 20, 30 minutes and listen to voiceover PowerPoint. Not gonna happen anymore, right? The next piece they have to think about is assessment management, your content and your learning management systems. What actually fits for where you are in the maturation cycle of your company versus buying the coolest, sometimes the sexiest, or even worse, that tool that your friend or your peer has You guys may be at different points in your maturation cycle, so it may not work for you. The next piece is all about coaching and reinforcement. What does that look like? How are we constantly sharpening the sword for your sales leaders so that they're not going back and leaning on what they knew pre to the COVID and and as we were talking about earlier, the shift that's going on in the world? The next thing to think about is metrics and measurement. And I don't mean smiley sheets and butts and seats. I don't care that you've enabled or trained 10,000 people and you're a 4.6 out of 5. That and seven bucks will get you a latte these days, (laughs) right? And the final piece is literally around succession planning. Start thinking right now, how are you going to create more leaders and less managers? And I know it's a lot to take in, but it's literally the make or break of companies. Very, very interesting. And I'm sure a lot has obviously evolved, right? This is just the current current challenges, current main best practices that you should kind of follow. So what's different now, especially today? I get we talk about post-pandemic, right? But this year just seems even weirder. Like the economy's all messed up, people are losing their jobs, the budgets are shrinking. So how do all of these challenges and best practice kind of, how did they all like evolve and, and how are they turning out? Like, how are they helping people now? Like, what can people do now, especially as these budgets are constantly being taken away from everybody? <laughs> yeah, well, I think let's start with, can the group out there listening to me, please do me one favor, if you will. Help me kill this statement, do more with less. It's not possible, right? That's like saying I give 110%. No, the maximum is 100. You can't give 110, right? And so what happens is literally you wind up doing less with less. And so as leaders, let's be a little more empathetic. Let's give a little more grace. Yes, I know corporate America is here to make a profit, not friends. I get that part. But at the same time, we're dealing with people 
right? And so I think with a shift I'm seeing start to happen, and I say start to happen, is for the longest, we had focused on success being noted by the level of someone's IQ, right? Oh, this is a brilliant person. This is, they're really sharp. They catch on quickly. That's not where we're going. Then we move to, well, we've got to soften things. So now we've got to focus on EQ, right? Humanity, compassion, things at that point. Now I think where we're going is in order to be successful as a company or as a leader has to be a mix of the two because IQ without EQ or vice versa is useless. You've got to find that balance, right? And you cannot peanut butter and try and treat everyone the same way. The other thing I think that I'm starting to see, and thankfully it's finally starting to happen, is you cannot allow someone's success by their numbers to override whether or not this person's a cancer on your team and so you keep them. They've got to go. I don't care if it's your top salesperson. I don't care if they're ringing the the bell every 12 seconds. If they are a cancer and they're hurting the cohesion, the collaboration, and the teamwork of your team, you've got the wrong person. Oh, I'm going to let that sink in for some people. Ooh, that was a good I answer. Know, we're controversial today now, Claudia. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the juicy stuff. All right. I wanted to ask this question because I can imagine that having insights into buyers and audiences or accounts, whatever whatever insights you could get about your, your prospects, your, your ICP, you need them, right? You need it to meet prospects when, where, and how they want. It's obviously essential for enablement, right? So what sort of insights should organizations really be focusing on these days to better equip the sales teams to, to close those deals? I think there are four things. The first is a deeper level of preparation before you make those calls, right? And I'm not talking about just looking at the 10K, the 10Q, listening to their earnings call, but really taking the approach of, I'm not going in just to sell to them. I'm literally trying to make a new friend. And I'll give you a quick story. My son was about two years old and he was out on a play date with his mom and they had been playing with this kid for about an hour, hour and a half. They leave the park, and as adults, my wife asked him, so what's your friend's name? Man, mind you, they'd played for an hour. You know what his answer was, which I love? He said, blue shirt. (laughs) It's only adults that the first time we meet you, we extend our hand, we say, hi, I'm so-and-so, here's my name, here's my title, here's what I do. Stop that. Start thinking, I'm going in now to make a new friend. And it will change your approach to how you go into help, right? And that will allow you to focus all your energy on things that show interest and preparation on your part. It'll also help you to tailor your conversation and kill the pitch, right? And focus on their specific needs and then identify potential opportunities from that. The next thing is about building rapport. We both know that the relationship is the backbone of success, especially in sales. Right. And so I believe there's never been a time where in the history of man, humanity, EQ and empathy has meant more than it does today. So active listening is more important because it's all about asking the right questions that'll help you to either qualify in or qualify out. And I'm talking both to sales and marketing right now. Right. Because now I'm going to talk about clear communication. And it's because that allows you to demonstrate that you're credible, but it also starts to drive the conversation towards actionable items, things like scheduling the next follow-up meeting or moving them along through the buyer's journey and understanding how they buy, when they buy, why they buy, and who buys. Is it a committee? Is it three people? 
instead of trying to shoehorn our prospects into our sales process, sales methodology, sales stages. Instead, reverse engineer that as to how they buy and then adjust your sales stages. And, and I'll call it selling motions to that. The final piece is, and this gets left out a lot, especially with sales folks, continued nurturing, right? Show a genuine interest in that person, not just because they're a logo or a closed sale, because no one wants to feel like that, right? Instead, you'll be more successful by continued support. And I'm talking about even after it's closed, because we think as sales folks, we're done, it's closed, I hand off to my CSM. No, you don't. Put together a meeting with that person, do a warm introduction so it doesn't feel like this unknown lab coat, because you've made me your friend, I trust you now, and now you're just gonna throw me over the fence and go find a new friend? We all know that's not a good feeling. So instead, be human and never forget, people buy from people. If people don't trust you, they won't do business with you. If they don't do business with you, they're not going to buy from you. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. You don't want to toss that friend away once you got that, I don't know, once they shared your lunch with you and you're like, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> so like, I, I totally we agree. we were friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk tools, technologies, or even channels. I know you know, I know everyone, you know, budgets might be tight. Maybe we're not on the hunt for a new tool or technology. But but when it comes to modern enablement, what types of tools, Roderick, or technologies or even channels are, are kind of most effective, most relevant? What do you recommend that people even start with? First of all, great question. And I call it demystifying the dark matter, right? Just because I think it sounds cool. Maybe it's not, right? It's really about aligning technology resources, right? And I'll give you two. I'll give you the traditional, but then I'll also give the AI version where I see us moving into quickly, right? Traditionally, there are kind of six categories. There's your learning and your content management systems. There's your prospecting and reporting systems, you know, things like HubSpot, LinkedIn, Navigator, Click, uh, Salesforce, et cetera. You've got your marketing automation tools, your active campaigns, HubSpots, Marketos, Eloquas, those type. Then you've got communication tools, and there's a bunch of those. Anything from competitive intel to playbooks to podcasts to reference guides to QBRs, right? And all of those things, webinars, white papers, all those things come together. The next category is that sales enablement platform, like Alego, for instance, right? Um, Highspot, Lessonly, MindTickle. Etc. And some are much better than others. And it depends again on where you are in your maturation cycle, right? I'm a big Alego fan. I'll just put it on the table, right? Because I think they're doing some really good things. That's just my opinion. And finally, it's the revenue intelligence tools. That's the chorus, the Zoom infos, the gongs, the clarys, the show pads. And they all have to come together. And first and foremost, Again, I'll say it, fit where your company is in the maturation cycle. Secondly, make sure that they all talk to each other. And most importantly, that you are pulling metrics and measurements from each one of those separately to show the value of how things are accelerating your speed to revenue or how they are increasing deal velocity. Because at the end of the day, that's really what we're looking at. Increase ACV and all those come into play, right, as well. Awesome, lots of tools to consider and, and again, it's really up to the company, the organization. You can't, just because your friends have that shiny new toy doesn't mean it's gonna work for you, right? So let's get into, which, you know, it's a big theme at our B2B sales and marketing exchange, AI, right? Oh, Even yeah. intent data. I know, you know, we talk about the two as if they're like, you know, the same thing, but 
Separately, even things like intent data, AI capabilities, all these new buzzwords and things like that, what role do they play in modern enablement, in your opinion? Oh, they're the make or break right now, right? Because as I said earlier, we can't do things the way that we used to do. That's one. The other is I think that leveraging AI now will increase both sales productivity and efficiency. And dare I say it, and I'm going to step out on a limb here, and I'll explain how when we meet in Boston, I think this is going to be the bridge between the proverbial disconnect between sales and marketing. I think it's not going to just force us to work closer, but it's actually going to open up doors to where we will want to work closer together. And what I mean by that, and there's kind of five pieces, and I won't go deep, but let's go all the way back to lead scoring and attribution on the marketing side, right? I think that now will drive a different level of conversation of, and we've had this conversation before, how many times has sales said, you guys give us a ton of leads, but we don't use them because they suck. But marketing says, but we'll give you guys a million leads. But there's never really been that conversation or that connection collaboration point between the two to say, hey, sales, have you ever actually defined what an MQL is for them in your mind? It may be a completely different conversation. Have you explained what an SQL is, right? A sales qualified versus a marketing qualified. So I think what this is going to do is now connect that. The next is automating task management, all the simple stuff, the data entry, the appointments, the follow-up emails, all those things I think will now free up time for sellers to actually, dare I say it, have more conversations with prospects and customers. And make more friends, right? How about that? Go make some more friends. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the next is, is real-time analytics. And that's the critical piece, right? The analytics and the insights into different sales activities. How are we moving as far as, again, deal velocity? Where are the holes? Going back now from sales to marketing and saying, hey, it's great that we have these things, but the kind of assets that we have are not what we're being asked for. Let me explain that. Again, back to that connecting of dots and that partnership between the two. The next is around personalized, and I'm going to stress that word again, personalized sales coaching. And that's, again, where marketing and sales can get together and work. Because if I'm coaching and I'm also looking at things like accreditations and certifications, you can't build those in a silo without sales and marketing playing together. And then finally, it's the sales process, all the documentation, all the assets, all of the competitive landscape updates and mergers and acquisitions and all that. Again, you can't do that in a silo without each other. So now I go back to where I said earlier. Is it starting to see now and click for you how sales and marketing may actually not just like, but I'm not talking about kumbaya and wrapping each other's arms around, but literally respecting and working together as partners. That'll be a beautiful world. <laughs> <laughs> it may be utopian in my mind, but I think we're actually, we'll get much closer faster than we would have without this infusion of generative AI. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the book. Congratulations, first and foremost. It's so it's such a successful book. Thank you. I have to ask, what is it like to have an Amazon bestseller on your resume? You know, honestly, it's validating. It's also, I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. I wrote it to help people that didn't have that blueprint that I had coming up and I had to step in holes and break my ankles and make mistakes to help them learn, right? The other was a legacy piece. My kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids can look at that and go, that guy did something and he made an impact on people. And I may not be able to say I made your life better, but at least, at least somewhat easier. And so how it feels, it's validating because 
It was literally one of the most painful things I've ever had to do, Claudia. I would akin writing a book to as close to childbirth as men will ever have. Painful. I got to that third trimester and I almost didn't finish my book because you get to a point where either you get writer's block or imposter syndrome kicks in, or you're like, I started to think, who's going to buy this? I wouldn't buy my book. My wife came to me one day and said, good, I'm glad that you wouldn't because you're not the ICP that you're writing this book for. And remember, this is a service for others to help them. It's not about you. So she locked me away in a hotel for three consecutive weekends. No social media, no phone, just go write. And she said something, and, and my editor said something that changed my whole mindset. She said, I want you to write with your mind and we're going to edit with your heart. And I went, wow. She said, get everything you've got out of your head that you think they need to know. And then we're going to edit with your heart. And what she meant by that was, we're going to give them what you wish you would have had and didn't have going into this whole process. And I'd like to believe it's turned out okay. I'm incredibly blessed. I just sold, as of this week, 6,200 copies in the first two years. And, and I just found out that most self-published authors only sell 400 copies in a lifetime. So I'm incredibly blessed. Thank you to everybody out there that has grabbed the book. That's awesome, Roderick. I'm so happy for you. And it also sounds like you have a fabulous support system at home. It definitely keeps me on my toes. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. True. Well, a really fun fact, everyone. If you are going to be at the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange in just a few weeks in Boston, Roderick's books will also be there. He will be doing a book signing. So we're really excited. So if you're if you're gonna be there, you're gonna get your chance to get your hands on one yourself and maybe a little autograph as well. So oh, absolutely. I'll definitely be there signing books and having conversations and making new friends. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Last question, since we're on the topic of the B2B sales and marketing exchange, you will be delivering a keynote. It's titled Consistency is Key, Turning Strategy into Action with Enablement. So give us a little elevator pitch. What can we expect from your keynote? And why should people who don't have a ticket yet get a ticket to go see that keynote? I'm going to give you 25 years of experience, but not the old school way that I did it. What I'm doing now is I've done a ton of research, a ton of sourcing. I'm talking to all kinds of peers of mine in the sales, in the marketing, in the rev ops side of the, I'm even talking to BDRs because I want to find out how can I make this as useful and usable as possible. I, like you, sit out in audiences at conferences. So I want to get something, one, that I've never heard before, right? And make me go, ooh, ah, oh. And the other thing is that I can go put into practical application right now. So there's three things that I'm going to talk about. The holy trinity, as I look at it, is communication, collaboration, and orchestration between both sales and marketing so that we can strengthen that cross-functional relationship that I was talking about earlier. So we can ultimately lead to accelerated speed to revenue, increased productivity by sellers, and I'll add another one, customers for life. Not just getting them on board, but keeping them there by helping them to maintain the customers that they have today. The next is how to up-level that both onboarding and everboarding that we talked about. A lot of people are talking about the new normal, Claudia, right? I don't think there's a new normal. I'll explain why I think it's a next normal. The final is how to orchestrate through these crazy turbulent days that are happening right now and what we can all do both personally and professionally to make it to the other side of this 
with some semblance of sanity. Awesome, Roderick. We are so excited for your keynote and your book signing at the event. And before we wrap up, I was hoping you'd entertain me a little bit by spinning our wheel of questions. We've been doing this all season long with some of our guests. So all you have to do is spin our virtual wheel and whatever number you land on will reveal a question for you. What do you think, Roderick? Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Let's spin it. Alrighty. Oh, we got some music. I don't know if people could hear that music, but I hear it. I like it. Yeah, we've got question three. All right, here we go. What is the most influential trend in B2B marketing? And I'll throw in sales as well today. I think it's true collaboration. Right. And again, having those conversations and making that bridge between all of the different lines of business. And I think that enablement is playing a a huge part of that piece because I think we're that center that's going to pull everybody together. Awesome. Great answer. Let's do another one just for fun. Okay. All righty. All right. Let's spin. All right, question 10. Let's see where we are. All right. Oh, this is a good one. What is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Oh, I love that one. And it's so simple. And that is never allow anyone, not your parents, not your significant other, not your boss, to ever drive your career path because nobody has the vested interest in it as you do. Perfect. And I think that's the mic drop moment right there. (laughs) Okay, Roderick, as much as I can chat with you all day, we are out of time and I got to get back to planning the rest of the B2B sales and marketing exchange. (laughs) So thank you so much for being here with me and sharing your expertise and and just being such a light in this really weird time. (laughs) I really appreciate you. But before we go, how can our audience get in touch with you? Sure. As I've said to you a million times, Claudia, if you can't find me on social media, you're not looking. (laughs) So you can find me at Roderick Jefferson on LinkedIn, at, at The Voice of Rod on Twitter, Facebook, and Threads. You can find me, Roderick underscore J underscore Associates on Instagram, or you can find me at my website, RoderickJefferson.com, or you can grab the book on Amazon or wherever you pick up your soft copy, your eBooks, your Kindles, and your audiobooks. And the book title is called Sales Enablement 3.0. And you could also see Roderick in person at the Sales and Marketing Exchange you in Boston. We're so excited. Again, Roderick, thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited to see you in just a few weeks. Take care of yourself up until then, and we'll see you soon. Likewise. Can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Thank you all so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Roderick as much as I did. So that's a wrap on today, but don't miss any upcoming episodes by subscribing to the podcast on your player of choice. And of course, make sure to connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share your thoughts and feedback with us, or even let us know who else you want to hear from on the podcast. 
Finally, be sure to check out our show notes for an exclusive offer to save on a ticket to the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange. It is never too late to register and we really want to see you there. Have a great rest of your week, folks. We'll be back with our last episode of the season next week. And I truly can't believe it. Time is definitely flying by. And then after that, we are off to Boston. So hopefully we'll see you there. Take care, everyone.